0: Sermons from FBC Athens. Welcome to the weekly podcast for listening to sermons from Sunday worship at First Baptist Church of Athens, Georgia. The title for the sermon from Sunday, October 29th is Preaching from the Choir and is given by Emily Harbin, Minister of Students and Young Adults. The scripture text comes from chapters 3 and 4 of the Book of Ruth. Our scripture today comes from the book of Ruth. I'll be reading selected verses from chapter 3 and chapter 4. Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, I need to seek some security for you so that it may be well with you. Now here is our kinsman Boaz, with whose young women you have been working see he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor now wash and anoint yourself and put on your best clothes and go down to the threshing floor but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking when he lies down observe the place where he lies then Go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. She said to her, All that you tell me I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had instructed her. When Boaz had eaten and drunk, and he was in a contented mood, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came stealthily and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled, and he turned over, and there, lying at his feet, was a woman. He said, "'Who are you?' And she answered, "'I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your cloak over your servant, for you are next of kin.' He said, "'May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter.' This last instance of your loyalty is better than the first. You have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich, and now, my daughter, do not be afraid. I will do for you all that you ask, for all the assembly of my people know that you are a worthy woman. But now, though it is true that I am near kinsmen, there is another kinsman more closely related than I remain this night and in the morning if he will act as next of kin for you good let him do it if he will not be willing to act as next of kin for you then as the Lord lives I will act as next of kin for you lie down until morning so she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before one person could recognize another, for he said, It must not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, Today you are witnesses that I have acquired from the hand of Naomi all that belongs to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and Malon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, the wife of Malon, to be my wife, to maintain the dead man's name on his inheritance in order that the name of the dead may not be cut off from his kindred and from the gate of his native place. Today you are witnesses. So Boaz took Ruth and became his wife. When they came together, the Lord made her conceive, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, for he has not left you this day without next of kin. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age, for your daughter-in-law, who loves you, Who is more to you than seven sons has borne him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him in her bosom and became his nurse. The women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse, the father of David. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Raise your hand if you've ever been desperate. Oh, hey, all right, me too. It is Halloween season, as you know, and I have been watching a few low-key scary movies. I'm not really into them, but I feel like you're just supposed to do it in October, kind of like I feel like a good American when I eat a hot dog wrapped in tinfoil, cooked by Doug Dillard, you just have to do it. And in these scary movies, people are always trapped in these terrifying scenarios. I recently watched The Shining for the first time, the one with uh, Jack, is it Nicholson? I'd never seen it all the way through. And there's a little boy, Danny. I'm sorry, there's spoiler alerts in this, but it came out in the 70s, so you've had time. Jack Nicholson goes crazy and his little boy Danny gets shoved out a bathroom window and he's running through the snow trying to escape. And they always go to the one place you don't want them to go to. You're screaming at the TV, don't go to the maze. And that's where Danny goes, into the dark, forested maze in the snow. It makes for a great movie, um, these characters that don't get out of the car, you know, Why are these people such ding-dongs in these movies? (laughs) On one hand, it makes for a great film if they make the mistake or they do the thing we all know they shouldn't do. But on a deeper level, there's something else going on. In these scenarios, when fear takes complete hold, when people are fighting to escape this awful situation, desperation blinds them to the obvious. It blinds and blocks out their decision-making. It takes away their ability to see beyond what's right in front of them in the present moment. When you jump out of an airplane, your life flashes before your eyes, not your hopes and dreams. It's what's already happened. Well, today, we meet Naomi and Ruth at a point of total desperation. I don't know if you grew up thinking or hearing that the book of Ruth was this epic love story of Ruth and Boaz, but it ain't so. Pick up this old book and reread it. It's only four chapters. Boaz has been letting Ruth glean the extras in the field. Kind of like being on the welfare system. she's getting the leftovers. It's not like she's getting rich off the extra barley she's taking home. Ruth and Naomi are living in poverty. They're completely reliant on the benevolence of Boaz and the people around them. So at this point you can cue the soundtrack of Jaws. And Naomi sees her opportunity. Boaz is this potential kinsman redeemer and he's taken a liking to Ruth. He's benevolent towards her, so here's her chance. And Naomi, all of a sudden, goes all Reba McIntyre on us. I remember it all very well. Looking back, it was the summer I turned 18. We lived in a one-room, rundown shack on the outskirts of New Orleans. We didn't have money for food or rent. To say the least, we were hard-pressed. Then Mama spent every last penny we had to buy me a dancing dress. Mama washed and combed and curled my hair and she painted my eyes and lips. <laughs> <laughs> then I stepped into a satin dancing dress. As she said, Here's your one chance fancy, don't let me down. Da-da-da-da-da. Here's your one chance fancy, don't let me down. I'm glad y'all give me a job, you know. Naomi literally tells Ruth, bathe, put on your best perfume, wear your nicest clothes, and then go meet Boaz at night where he sleeps in secret. This is not the beautiful love story of two people that meet on a dating app by the blessed algorithms, go on some flying dates, visit each other in Hawaii, and end up getting married. This is a story of desperation. Naomi sees a window of opportunity for Ruth, and she says, my daughter, shouldn't I seek security for you? And just like Fancy's benevolent man took her off the streets, so does Boaz. Now, unlike in the scary movies, the desperate decision of the two women works out pretty well. Ruth and Boaz do get married, They have a child, and things start looking up, finally. Now, at this point, you would assume that Naomi just kind of fades into the background. You won't hear any more from her because the story is moving in the direction of Ruth and Boaz and their future. She's not the one who had the baby. It seems like her job is done. She's accomplished what she set out to do. But in chapter 4, something really interesting happens. Listen again. The Lord let her, Ruth, become pregnant, and she gave birth to a son. And the women said to Naomi, may the Lord be blessed who today hasn't left you. May his name be proclaimed in Israel. He will restore your life and sustain you in your old age. Your daughter-in-law who loves you has given birth to him. She's better for you than seven sons. They speak to Naomi, not Ruth and Boaz. They aren't celebrating with them. They're celebrating with Naomi. Do you hear the blessing in their words? The women of the neighborhood force Naomi out of her desperate blindedness. Open your eyes, Naomi. Wake up. Look around you. There is a future for you. You haven't been left alone. Your life will be restored and sustained. Naomi, you are loved. My first ministry position was in Madison, Georgia. Good little Baptist church in a good little town. I was 22 years old, right out of UGA. All of my friends from Georgia had gone on to Atlanta to work in these big offices with social gatherings. They were meeting tons of new people at networking events and office parties, and I was driving the church bus to Chick-fil-A to pick up the middle schoolers and cranking out children's sermons, living in Mayberry as a 22-year-old single girl. On more than one occasion, I thought, Lord, why have you brought me here? My life is going nowhere. And all the while that I was having these thoughts, blessings surrounded me. A girl in the youth group who had juvenile arthritis and a congenital heart defect, she was also developmentally delayed, Um, had slowly but surely started coming into the arms of the youth group, where in the past she would just, on Wednesday nights, sit in the sanctuary and listen to her mom play the piano for the choir. After several months of her getting more and more acclimated and involved, her dad called me and said, Emily, Caitlin wants to be baptized. And he said something on the phone to me that day that woke me up and changed my outlook completely. Now going back a little bit, my last summer at Georgia, I worked at Camp Twin Lakes in Rutledge, Georgia. You probably heard me talk about it. But one of those weeks of camp is for kids with juvenile arthritis. So that day on the phone, talking about her baptism, Caitlin's dad said, Emily, Your first day at Madison Baptist, when you walked in, Caitlin looked up and said, I know her from camp. And we knew that God had sent you to us. Caitlin and her dad were the voice of God to me. Like the women of the neighborhood telling Naomi, wake up. Look around you. God hasn't left you God has been here the whole time, working through your challenges and your pain and your self-doubts and your hopelessness. In our own desperations, whether it's as devastating as poverty or as complicated as loneliness, sometimes God is speaking to us through the neighborhood, the choir, if you will the choir who surrounds us and points out to us the big picture that we can't see because of our own blind spots. After the women of the neighborhood bless Naomi with new spiritual sight, she takes hold of that baby, embracing him for the first time, holding him close. And I imagine, she exhales, For the first time in years as she embraces the future of god's promises for her amen
0: thank you for listening to the sermons from fbc athens join us for worship in person or our live stream sunday mornings at 11 a.m god's grace and peace be with you today tomorrow and always